0: How is everyone doing on this Monday morning? Hope you're off to a great start. Wanted to go ahead and start off with Cooper's Chalk Talk as you're kind of driving on your way to work, sitting in your cubicle or whatever shenanigans you're up to while you're listening to this. Um, I wanted to kind of go over a couple different things. I wanted to kind of talk about the NFL draft, my top six guys, as well as I wanted to go over the R. Kelly case. Seems like a lot of information going on there. Um, as well as, you know, I feel like a lot of this has been brushed under the rug and actually I think this is much more important than a lot of the stuff they're focusing on um, in the news as this has been an ongoing kind of devastating trial. I mean, he was, you know, in 2008, he was up for child pornography and all kinds of stuff. So kind of resurfacing with some more information now as uh, more people are kind of coming forward. There's a docu-series on oxygen, I believe, about it. Um, So I wanted to kind of go over that information as well. Um, But to kick off, I did want to talk about the top six offensive guys that I have coming out in this year's NFL draft um you know once again these these are kind of you know maybe not the most popular guys you know but they are guys that I I watched a lot this year you know you kind of look at some of the stats that they have I think there's going to be a lot of upside to some of these guys once again I, you know I'm going to talk about defense in the next podcast you know as I feel like that is kind of the heavy hitters of this draft I think there's a lot of good defensive guys coming out um but I wanted to talk about my favorite six position guys coming out so I'm not going to be talking about quarterbacks, just my favorite six positions. Um, So first off, I wanted to talk about David Montgomery um, running back out of Iowa State. Um, I think he's the second ranked running back out of this year's draft, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's behind the Alabama running back which i uh, i just i feel like the alabama running backs is hit or miss with those guys i feel like it's tough to really really put a lot of weight in that so just because i feel like you know you have tons of alabama you know five star recruits going down there you never know who's going to be the big guy coming out i feel like they have more defensive guys as in the nfl than the actual um, offensive guys but that's just my opinion um, so kind of going into David Montgomery, one of the, one of the reasons why he's my favorite guy, you know, you look at a lot of these guys coming out, you know, do they have the ability to catch the ball? That's such a big opportunity nowadays. And this guy, you know, he only had 22 receptions in 2018, but he had 36 in 2017, almost 300 yards. But if you look at the average of his receptions, you know. His first year as a freshman, he averaged almost ten yards reception. Second year 2017 almost averaged eight yards reception. Two thousand eighteen, his lowest averaged seven seven yards reception. But once again, he was the guy in 2018. He was he was the guy that everybody had to be looking out for. So he still ran for twelve hundred yards. You know, he rushed for thirteen touchdowns. You know, actually Iowa State was on the uprise. You know, they they were they were ranked for a good portion of the year. Um I think that this guy has a lot to offer. Once again, I'm a Buccaneers fan, so we are in need of a running back. According to what you kind of read, I think that this guy could be a great pick for us. Um, I do expect the bucks to trade back in this year's NFL draft. So this guy, I could see him going maybe into the first, maybe, um, early second round is, you know, once again, we were terrible last year. So we have a very early pick. I think we're the fifth pick in the draft this year. So potentially a Buccaneer off the board, um, in the late first, maybe, um, maybe early second but that's just my ideal um situation but once again this guy can land in a bunch of different places as he can be a great complimentary back as well um guy isn't huge he's only 5'11 but he's got some meat on him he's 216 pounds so you know he's somewhat of a little bit of a a wrecking ball but he's got some speed so he's going to be someone to watch at the actual um at the actual combine as he comes out um and then wanted to kind of keep in actual running back as Benny Snell Jr. I watched this guy all year University of Kentucky, um, guy was a monster. Um, you know he was he was the offense. They, their quarterback was subpar. Offensive line was decent. Um, not a ton of big wide receivers out there, but you know you look at him. He rushed, he rushed for almost 1,500 yards, just under that by about 50. He had you know he only had 17 receptions for 105 yards, no touchdowns. But once again, ran for that 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, and you know he's got that speed. He had you know a long of 52, but the big one is he actually had a long of 44 against Florida. And Florida has those DBs. They they, they play defense around for 175 yards against Florida, which was the second game of the year. Florida was pretty touted um, on the defensive side of the ball as always. But, you know, once again, you know, he, he's, he's someone to really think about as you kind of get ready to watch um, the, the draft because he's somebody who – you know, I feel like he's kind of being overlooked because you know, in the NFL draft nowadays, you have to be somebody who can catch the ball. But this guy, five eleven, he's a little bit heavier than Montgomery at two twenty three. Um, but once again, this guy was the guy. So being able to see somebody who can, you know, go in there and rush that well, and once again, they're playing in the SEC. You know, so they're pl- they played Missouri, they played Georgia, Tennessee. You know, Tennessee was kind of terrible this year. Um but they played Mississippi State, Florida. They played some solid schools and he put up decent numbers every single game. I think his low rushing total of the year was sixty-seven against Missouri. Um, and you know, once again that you know, that he was the offense. Pretty much they put eight in the box every time and made him stop him. But you look at he he had big games. He rushed for 165 against Mississippi State and I actually watched that game. Mississippi State Pretty much put everybody on the line. Um, you know, th- that game was basically won or lost simply in the trenches. So so you know, someone to really watch. I think that he has a lot of upside. And I think that he's gonna be come in. He's gonna be he's gonna have a year or two to kind of develop as he'll probably get drafted in the second round. Um once again, maybe maybe that uh maybe that fringe um maybe that fringe late second round guy, um, but more than likely going to be picked up at somebody who already has, you know, somewhat of, a, somewhat of a dominant running back, but somebody who can definitely use that backup as you kind of like look at some of these guys, you know, Atlanta Falcons are probably going to lose Coleman. You know, you look at the Saints, they're more than likely going to lose Ingram. Um, so, you know, some of these guys that need that strong number two, you know, he he's definitely that guy, especially, you know, you kind of, you know, I like him with the Saints a lot. I don't think that the Saints are going to actually pick him, but you think about him with the Saints, you know, they have that dynamic pass catching um, with Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield and they got the rushing attack with um, with actually Benny Snell. So I like that a lot. I don't think that's actually going to be where he lands but um but i like that fit a lot with that offense um and then wanted to shift to an actual tight end he's the only tight end i'm going to talk about tj hawkinson um he had about 50 receptions 760 yards six touchdowns um but the big win is that 15.5 average so you know he's somebody who can catch the ball and he can move after the catch which you know in today's nfl that's kind of what you have to do especially from the tight end position You know, if you're a fantasy football player guy, there were basically three tight ends that everybody had this year that won them or lost them games, and then everybody else was so-so. So the NFL is kind of looking for, you know, another big name tight end, especially with you know, Antonio Gates, he's gonna be leaving. You know, it looks like Gronk is kind of a shell of what he used to be. So you you know, the NFL's kind of looking for that next big guy to kind of come out and the TJ Hawkinson guy, he's he has some great size on him. You know, I think he's six five. Um, you know, he's anywhere from two fifty to two sixty. So, you know, he's a big guy coming out, coming out of that tight end spot, and he has hands and can run. So, you know, he's somebody that you know you kind of think about, you know, this guy's more than likely gonna be going. You know, I, I've seen him as late, in, you know, in the latter part of the first round. I don't see anybody drafting a tight end in the first round. I just feel like there's too much good defense and actual offensive, um, inner offensive strength. You know, that offensive lineman position. You know, as you kind of get closer and closer to the to the draft, I think you're going to see some of those offensive linemen start scooting up. So, you know, once again, I can see this guy landing on an actual not a great NFL team that needs you know that that kind of security blanket for a young quarterback. Um, just first kind of name that kind of comes to my mind are the Buffalo Bills. You know, they lost um, Clay. I think he went to the Cardinals from what I last saw. So, you know, they they have an opportunity and they don't have anybody to catch the ball there. You know, they got Zay Jones. He's, you know, dude's a freak. Um, And then they have, I think, Foster, who I don't even know if he was drafted this last year, but... They don't have anybody catching the ball. They, you know, they they, they got to have somebody. So I can see T.J. Hawkinson going to the going to a team like the Bills that need that uh need that security blanket, especially with a young quarterback. You got to have somebody that can catch the ball, um, get open, and you know we play in Iowa, so he can play in the cold. So you kind of look at this. I think that he'd be a great guy, um, to go to one of these young quarterbacks, especially you know even you know you think about if my if uh, Miami picks up a uh, Kyler Murray, you know they they don't have anybody down there playing tight end right now. Um, I believe Parker was isn't going to be picked up on. On his options, so you know, you look at that, and you know, he can be- definitely be an option for them as well, depending on what kind of happens in the draft with the trades and whatnot. Um, so he's one of the guys that I really like. I think that he's kind of a freak athlete, especially once again, being 6'5. They're gonna put some more, they're probably gonna put just a little bit more weight on him, get him up to that about 265 range, um, just so we can take some more hits in the middle. But this guy is somebody to definitely watch in the NFL, especially you know, once again, as we kind of start talking more and more about, um, about the the actual, um, the actual fantasy as we get closer and closer to that. So then the next one I want to talk about, you know, I live in Arizona, so I watch this guy very closely. Nikhil Harry, dude is amazing. He has great hands. He had 73 receptions, about a thousand yards, um, nine touchdowns. Once again, this is for a team that doesn't throw the ball. The, if you watched them day, week in and week out, they just, they didn't throw the ball that much. They're, they're a running team. You know, they had a pretty decent running game, but they they kind of focused on winning games, you know, fourteen to seven twenty one to seventeen that's that's how they wanted to win games they- they weren't blowing people out they weren't in like the big twelve teams that are putting up you know 40 to 60 points every week. So th- this is a team that didn't put up a ton. So you, you look at that offense, he almost had 1,100 yards receiving, once again, about a 15 yard, uh, 15 yard catch average, which is incredible. So once again, and the kind of cool thing too is his hometown is actually Chandler, Arizona. So he's a homegrown guy right here in Arizona, went to Arizona State. And once again, this guy is going to be a great option. I think that those old Miss wide receivers, I think they're starting to kind of dip down a little bit. I could see this guy being the number one guy taken off the board, just simply because he has that potential to be that that just that showstopper you know once again i think you know a lot of times you look at these rookie wide receivers they really get bumps later in the year as they kind of get used to the offense the speed of the game you know db's how they're playing this guy can be a guy that you know he gets drafted you know somewhat early you know, just because there's a couple teams that really need him. You know, you think about the Patriots in desperate need of a wide receiver. Steelers basically ruled out that they're not sending Antonio Brown to him. So, you know, they're more than likely going to have to draft a wide receiver early. You look at this guy, you're like, well, this guy's 6'4", great size. He can be a true number one. So stick him on the outside and just let him do his thing. Because you're going to have, you know, you're going to have the the offensive threats on the inside. Um, With Edelman still there, you know, we'll see what kind of happens with Gronk. But you think about that. You know, you think about a true number one kind of out there, that 6'4", put a little bit more weight on him, get him up to about 215, 220, and, you know, the guy's going to do some damage. He has great speed and great hands. So, you know, I think that he's going to be someone that you really want to watch as it kind of comes into it. I think he's going to be an exciting guy in the NFL. Um, And then the next thing I want to talk about, just simply because of the name, Marquise Brown, his cousin is actually Antonio Brown. This guy is a speed demon. He's a a freak, Um, honestly. He, He just... You watch him run his routes. The guy just has mad speed. He's all over the place. He had 75 receptions, about 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. So a little bit more than actual Nikhil Harry. But once again, this team throws the ball. And, you know, I think Oklahoma had anywhere, you know, anywhere from two to three solid, you know, offensive threats every game from the catching from just catching the ball. They had a running back that catch the ball pretty decent on the backfield. They had two solid wide receivers. So Marquise Brown, once again, going off his last name, you know, he's only 5'10", 168. He's going to be put in the slot more than likely going to be somewhat of that speed demon guy. But once again, great hands catches the ball. He can get out there and do some amazing things with his hands. And, you know, especially kind of look at you look at some of these games that he had, you know. No, West Virginia he had 11 receptions 243 yards two touchdowns it's incredible West Virginia didn't play defense and now I'll give you that but once again there's some of these games in the NFL you see them they get out there they start scoring points and you got to get out there and you know you got to keep up with them and he's somebody who offers that deep ball threat so you know once again somebody who can get in there you know make a huge difference on a team this guy is probably more than likely going to be a second round guy Um, just kind of looking at where he's kind of sitting at you know I think he's Right around, you know, maybe the number five wide receiver, maybe number six wide receiver kind of coming out this year. So you're kind of probably looking in the latter part of maybe the second round, early third round guy. Um, but once again, you, you once again you look at all these young quarterbacks, and they got to have somebody to throw the ball. So this guy gets linked up with the right young quarterback, someone who just wants to sling it down the field. Once again, you know I keep talking about the 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 Bills needing people to catch the ball, and you know this guy is a guy that can go there and catch the ball. Especially you know Zay Jones is you know he's probably going to be the number one. You know you you get you get a guy in the middle that running the running those routes able to catch them. It's going to be pretty incredible. So pretty great stuff and then this is my latter my latter favorite draft pick is little Jordan Humphrey um, kind of a you know, kind of a wild name to a little Jordan, but you know, I think this guy has great potential. 6'4", 225 He's a true Texas boy. Eighty six receptions, um, almost twelve hundred yards, nine touchdowns. This guy can go up and get the ball. I watch this guy game after game. The guy can just flat out ball. Um, you know, you kind of look at some of his best games. Texas Tech. He had eight receptions, hundred fifty nine yards. You know, he averaged twenty yards reception. He had two touchdowns. His long was forty you know, this guy can straight ball. So, you know, you look at this guy, and he's somebody who, whoever picks him up, he's going to be, I don't want to say he's going to be a project, because he's somebody that, you know, I think he can come in, and he, he'll he be a guy that can play, but I kind of see him as more of like, um like the guy that was drafted this year by Carolina, like more, he came in, you know, he, you know, it took him a while to get going, he had some big games, he had, I think he had a stretch from week 14 to week, maybe 17, or maybe a little bit earlier than that, maybe like week 11 through week 14, but he was just the guy. He caught tons of balls, was a big play guy. Um, but I think he's truly going to be, you know, kind of a training guy. I think this year is going to be, you know, he's going to learn how to actually play um, play in the NFL, and I think he's just going to crush it. I think he's going to be an amazing wide receiver down the, down the long stretch. I think that this is somebody that, you know, once again, you kind of tag him up with the Green Bay Packers, you know, maybe with, you know, maybe a fourth-round pick. Um maybe a maybe a late third round pick um just strictly because of you know he came out early everybody thought that he was going to kind of go back and um kind of kind of rejoin school for one more year but you know I think this guy you know maybe in the third round you kind of tag him up there with Adams and I think that the the Packers might have definitely a strong one-two punch especially once again they you know they draft or they traded and got um Graham to be that uh to be that red zone threat and he looks like he's he's running like a six flat forty out there He's super slow, has no moves um so you know they have to have somebody that that Aaron Rodgers can put the ball up in the air, have him go up and catch it and I think that this guy will be an amazing asset um but yeah, I would love to see him go to the Packers as you know maybe a third round guy if they can get in that late um I think he's somebody who will definitely be somebody you talk about in the future. So those are my kind of six favorite guys kind of off the board, um, on offense. Once again, kind of taking a little bit deeper of a dive with a little Jordan Humphrey. Um, but once again, I watched a lot of Texas football this year. I thought they were an incredible football team. Um, and I think he has a lot of potentials. You know, he's just somebody who can get out there and catch the ball Six four two twenty five. You know, it's hard to, hard to have that much athleticism when you're that tall. So pretty awesome stuff. Um, And then just kind of want to get into the next portion of the actual um, podcast as, you know, we kind of I kind of talked about it a little bit. um, Just talking about the actual R. Kelly stuff. So, um, you know, as you kind of read more and more about this R. Kelly situation, you know, it's kind of wild. The guy the guy's all over the place. In 2008, he had a um, child pornography case kind of go out against him. Um, you know so it's it's kind of wild you know he's able to beat that case and now there's supposedly a video with repeatedly the girl saying that she's 14 and he's acknowledging that she's 14 and there's still you know there's different kinds of stuff going on in the video you know it has you know I, watching the it's kind of funny to I shouldn't say it's funny but it's kind of entertaining to, to watch whenever you see them talking about you know oh there's oral penetration vaginal penetration you're hearing these you know these lawyers talk about this and you know the lawyer for R. Kelly his defense is this guy's a rock star he doesn't have to he doesn't have to make anybody have sex with him and it's a pretty bold statement if you ask me that that is your that is your defense once again these guys are all professionals these are lawyers judges you know everybody in, in your defense is this guy's a rock star he doesn't have to do it. and you know if that's if that's your defense you know that's your defense <laughs> good, good luck with it but you know if there's if there, they say that there's dna evidence on the shirts of the actual victims that oh, that is r kelly's um which you know obviously that. You know what kind of DNA that is. Um, so, you know, he has a lot of stuff working against him. So, you know, right now I believe his bond was set at a million dollars. Um, and, you know, there was 10 different victims. I believe that the max sentence from what I originally read was maximum sentence would be 70 years. Um, so they're going to be fighting an upward battle from from what it sounds like, especially with, you know, the kind of... The kind of media attention that this case is getting, because you know, Oxygen, I think, has a TV show documenting you know tons of different people. Um, one of the girls saying that you know she was she was with R. Kelly whenever she was sixteen, and she was forced to have sex; otherwise, she'd be locked in a closet, essentially. So you know, this guy is just an animal. So you kind of think about it, and it's I feel like it's kind of a growing and growing thing. You know, of of these of these guys who have this this star power. And Maybe it was just fear back in the day. But I feel like especially now, you know, there's that me too thing that kind of happened and then that kind of spiraled out of control is... You know, there were people that, you know, they went on a date with somebody and they had a one night stand with them on the first day. They're like, well, looking back at it, I wish I didn't do that. So I feel like I got I got tricked into it. And it's that's not necessarily what that what that was all about. So, you know, as this kind of kind of gets back into a normal focus of what is actual sexual assault and what is just, you know, a bad first date or whatnot. Um, you know, it was kind of fascinating to kind of, kind of hear about this stuff because it's like, how was this going on for so long right underneath everyone's noses? I mean, this dude was literally on top of the world as an R and B star. I mean, you talk about, you know, he, he did that, uh, he did space jam song, you know, bump and grind, you know, he's, he's, he was, he was the guy, he was an R and B star. So it's kind of, it's kind of just blows your mind to think that this guy was just basically running an underage sex ring, you know? peeing on people just doing all kinds of crazy shit and you just hear about this and you just have to scratch your head and be like how was this going on this guy is literally in the news every day for coming out with a a song you know he's on the hook of tons of songs in the 90s you know early 2000s and then all of a sudden you know we're in 2000 almost 20 and this guy is now being investigated for sleeping with you know 14 year old girls 16 year old girls and it just it's like how did this happen for so long so You know, as you kind of read more and more about the case, I think there's going to be a lot more evidence that kind of comes out against this guy. I mean, obviously, you know, I think there's been a total of 30 girls so far that said that they were sexually assaulted by R. Kelly. And I think, you know, a number of those girls said that it happened before they were of legal age. So you look at that and you're like, well, damn, like there has to be some evidence or that there, you know. You know, they're lucky that it wasn't in this day and age because I feel like everybody's caught on camera doing something nowadays. So you think about what kind of evidence this guy has and he's fifty-two years old. So this guy goes to jail, he's fifty-two years old. If he gets even a thirty year sentence, he's gonna be in jail until he's eighty-two. You know, his life is gonna be essentially done in jail as he's thirty years old and he doesn't have any more money. He can't even make his payments for child support. You know, he's backed out of his his rent first place. I think he owes like hundred and seventy thousand dollars in backed rent. Um which I just watched a video and this guy has you know diamond earrings, gold chains, all this kind of stuff. You know he's in a mink coat and I'm like, you know this guy, he probably has a he probably has a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars just in gear on him. So kind of look at that and you're like, how does this guy say that he's so broke but he can't make any payments? So I think it's going to be kind of fascinating as it kind of comes out if he can actually make his million dollar bail. They, they said they they expect him to be able to get out of jail within the one or two day span. Um, So if that is actually factual um, and actually comes to fruition, it'll be pretty interesting to see what he kind of does from there because, you know, he's going to be fighting an upward battle. And, uh, you know, I kind of foresee this kind of being like a Cosby trial of, you know, something that you hear about and then... You know, it takes two to three years, and then it's going to finally take some kind of witness to come forward and really have some strong evidence against him. Which, once again, if there's a video, the dude's done. Like, there's no way you can come back from that. That's visual evidence of him basically, you know, being knowledgeable that this girl is only only 14 years old supposedly she repeatedly says she's 14 years old and then he's doing all this stuff to her so you know it's just a matter of time if this is actual factual if he's going to end up in jail and if he knows that there's an actual video it'd be kind of fascinating to see if he gets out and actually tries to make a run for it so that's something that that i'm kind of waiting to see as it gets closer and closer um but i think that this case you know once again it's kind of interesting to me because i feel like this has been somewhat like drug under the mat just because i feel like you know, this is something of very high magnitude of a superstar kind of having this happen. And then, you know, you kind of, you kind of hear about it and it's, you know, that they had that, uh I don't know, Jesse or Jesse or whatever, Smollett guy who basically faked his own kidnapping and beat up and everything like that to try to, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't understand what the, what the point of it was to be honest with you, but, um, but, you know, that's been the kind of the talk on all the news stations of like why he did it and all this stuff. So you kind of keep on hearing about this and this R Kelly stuff is kind of brushed under the rug when I feel like, you know, you talk about these young women, you know, that, there's a number of women that this actually impacted and you know, it's kind of brushed under the rug kind of, kind of as a second, kind of as a second idea. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what kind of, what kind of comes of in what, what kind of, what kind of actual factual information comes out against him as well. Um, and then I kinda of wanted to get into some of the college basketball stuff. Kinda of wanted to wrap up as I shift back into basketball before we kind of wrap it up. Something that I always like to do. Um actually started by my buddy Cam. We do our um our fantasy football league every year. We do our drafting position based on a bracket, which is makes it way more fun. Um so basically it makes you kinda of want to pay attention to the NCAA basketball because nobody wants that, you know, that eighth to ninth pick because that at that point. You're just kind of taking the leftovers, in the, in all honesty. So, you know, kind of getting into some NCAA basketball stuff. Some of the stuff that's kind of it's kind of um, been going on. You know, Zion will um, Zion Williamson. Um, you know, everybody knows he blew out his Nike. Dude's a freak of nature, but I really don't think if Duke doesn't have him down the stretch, I don't see them going past the you know the Sweet Sixteen. I, I just there, there's too many good basketball teams, and actually, my my money is actually on the SEC winning it this year, whether it be Tennessee, UK. Or an actual underdog of the UK of um, of that actual division, you know. You look at the SEC, and you know they actually have some kind of kind of big time schools kind of coming out this year. LSU has looked really dangerous at the time. Georgia's looked pretty pretty consistently decent. Even Auburn, Auburn's gone in there. And done a pretty solid job, so my money is actually riding on SEC at this point. Obviously, to kind of see who gets hot in the tournaments and whatnot. Um, I can tell you one thing that isn't going to happen though is I can guarantee you that the Pac-12 is not going to win jack shit this year because they are just terrible. Every game I watch, just poor basketball compared to the rest of the divisions. Um, yeah, I mean if you look at if you look at these divisions, I mean I think LSU's twelve and two. Um Kentucky's or that's in the conference, they're twenty-two and five in the actual overall. Kentucky's twenty-three and four, Tennessee's twenty-four and three, South Carolina's fourteen and thirteen. Um, and then, you know, you kind of go down the list and, you know, then you all, you know, Mississippi State that's 20 and seven, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to look at some of these schools, you know, Auburn 18 and nine, you know, the SEC is going to have a lot of schools in there and they're going to be pretty competitive this year. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see what kind of happens. Obviously Gonzaga, you know, they're, they're a dangerous team. I think Gonzaga has a chance to make a run at it. Um, and I think one of the one of the kind of underdog schools actually, I think Nevada and Utah State out of the mountain west, they're just so much better than everybody in that conference. It's not even fair. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends that went to UNM. UNM used to be a powerhouse and now they're now they're in the middle at best in, in the in the mountain west. Um so you know, you look at you look at Nevada, you look at Utah State, um, you know, once again you look at a couple other small divisions kind of coming out. Um You know, it's that's where that's where the powerhouses are going to be kind of dominating those smaller schools. But I do like Nevada and Utah State coming out of the Mountain West. Um, And then obviously you have the ACC. The ACC is always dominant. You have UNC. I know pretty much every year that I do a bracket with somebody, there's at least three or four guys that pick UNC to win it all. Which you know that'll continue happening. Um and you know Virginia looks like they're somewhat falling apart. Louisville looks like they're somewhat falling apart. So, you know it'll be kind of interesting to see what kind of happens with the ACC this year to see if they're just kind of an overhyped division, um, or if they actually are coming here to play. Um, and then kind of wrapping up, you know, you have um, then then you have the um, the Big Ten, which once again, you know, Michigan was off to a crazy start in the year. They're twenty four and four on the overall. You Got Michigan State, which is twenty three and five. So those are the two schools that are really going to kind of carry them, and then you know I think I think one of the underdogs that I you know once again I don't want to give out my bracketology or anything like that, but I think Maryland might be a team that can actually run the table and win that actual um, that Big Ten conference, um, especially once they're getting into the tournament. So I think it's going to be a pretty fascinating once we kind of get into March Madness. It's kind of crazy, you know, February is just rolling right by. Um, next week it's already going to be it's already going to be March. So you know I'm starting to watch more and more basketball, pay attention to it more and more. Um, even the NBA is starting to get pretty pretty interesting out there um you know it's it's kind of it's kind of good time to to play sports and then you know shockingly enough we have baseball kicking off already you know out here in arizona we have um we have the spring training kind of going on i saw that chris bryant hit a home run in the first game for the cubs so you know kind of all kinds of good sports stuff kind of going on you got um you got the columbine about to roll out which will be fascinating so some really good stuff and then also obviously a lot of the social stuff so um, I'll keep on keep on doing these. I'll, I'll I'll try to do one every Monday, and then I'll try to do one midweek, Wednesday or Thursday, to kind of kick it off, kind of keep on up with uh, social times as well as sports stuff. So, um, next time I want to do a little bit more gambling, betting, and stuff like that, kind of go through some picks and whatnot, um, as well as some future bets because I think there's some pretty good future bets out there if you look at the NFL to uh, to win their conferences and actual just winning out the AFC, NFC. Um, as you know, there I think there's a couple good underdogs that are pretty. You know, you can actually make a pretty pretty penny to say that the best way, um, with some of those guys. Um, but that's all I have for you guys. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and, um, feel free to DM me on the Instagram, um, Instagram's coopers chalk talk. Um, so feel free to, um, shoot me a message if there's anything you want me to cover, or if you just want to talk shit, that's also always, always kind of fun to listen to. So I'll talk to you guys later and hope you have a great day. Thanks.